As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast, your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. Hey, everybody. What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Jess, girl, what is going on this week? Hey now, um, not much is going on. Happy to be finally in the month of December, December. It's always a fun one. <laughs> what do you, what do you do? Like, because I know you're in the on the East Coast, and I know I was there for a long time. And the seasons change. We don't have as much of the drastic switch here. But like, what do you do in December and like in the end of the year to kind of for your self-care? Like, is it different? Yeah, that's a good question because I get like mild seasonal mood. I wouldn't call it depression, but my, but it, there's definitely a strong shift in how I feel. And I have to do a lot of things to just make sure that I'm okay because the weather really affects me and like the lack of sun and especially when it starts snowing and I'm already working from home on most days. And so I'm not really going out as much, especially during the winter. Um, so there's a few things that I do. Um, I just make sure that I check in on like family and friends and just kind of catch up. I host a lot of gatherings in my house. Um, so I'll do like a lot of dinners, a lot of movie nights and just have friends over um, to make sure that we're all like loving up on each other. Um, make sure that we're all good. And yeah, catching up on a lot of shows. Honestly, I usually just try to leave <laughs> during... December yeah. and January. Um, and as a lot of you may already know, I'm getting ready to head out next week um, and I'll be I'll be she gone is. for about a month. So, uh, yeah, I just try to escape the weather because I just feel like this is not natural to me at all. Yeah, I feel like that's the one thing about New York that's uh, well, one of the things that always sucks. And I think people who really make it work, that is something that they try to incorporate is like leaving, which obviously it's a privilege to be able to leave a city for a month. And that's not realistic for most people. But even if it's like a mini trip or just something like going to Miami <laughs> uh, during the cold months, I think it'd be helpful. I personally go to LA. I love going to LA. I used to hate it. Like any Northern California people who grew up uh, up here, you guys know that there's like well, at least there was in the 90s and 2000s. I don't know about now. But like there was this like feud between Northern and Southern California. So I never, even though I have a lot of family there, I never really liked it or enjoyed it. But now as I'm going as an adult, I'm really loving LA, the vibes, especially because our podcast studio is in LA. I don't know. It's just been like a whole new 
season for LA for me. So I'm, I'm going there for a week, which I'm so excited about. And other than that, I feel like nothing really changes here. It, it definitely gets colder. Um, but not in a drastic way like New York. Yeah. It's definitely just more subtle. And there may be a day where I can wear like booty shorts, but then like the next day, it's like I have to wear like a, a light coat or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, if I lived in Northern California, I would be in LA all the time because it's it's not yeah. far at all. It's just like a short flight away. And the weather is just so perfect. I love LA. I would totally live in LA. It just sucks that it's so far from New York, but it's a whole vibe. I know. It's definitely a whole vibe. And it seems like everyone and their mama's moving over there and my husband's talking about we got to move to L.A. So listen, <laughs> we're going to Mexico. We're going to L.A. We're going to San Diego. Girl, I'll see you in Mexico. We're going to be try. We're going to be like, right. You guys, we're going to Mexico next year. Like We're, we're seriously considering moving there for next fall. <laughs> considering moving there for at least, oh, fall? I'm going for summer. For girl. summer? What? We'll yeah. <laughs> really? I'm not going for fall. Wait, when in the summer? Why would I? Well, I'm thinking, so, I mean, if it were just me, girl, I'd already be over there. But since I got another one to consider, it really depends on his work situation. But I'm trying to go either April or... Oh, damn. May. Okay. At least to start with three months. Yeah, start with three months. We'll see oh, how it goes. I didn't know that. Okay, so I'm planning on going in October. Oh, okay. Well, we'll miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing is... Um, we're, I don't know, we're kind of like in figuring out our lives right now. Cause, okay, this is like TMI life stuff, but so my husband, he's lived in the Bay for forever. Basically he kind of grew up here and he's, he's just kind of over it. And I am just like an open person. So I'm down to go anywhere. And I've kind of been wanting to move as well. I think for me, after living somewhere for five years, I kind of get sick of it, which happened <laughs> with New York. And now like I've been in the Bay, like back in the Bay for another like five, six years. So either way, we're trying to go to like SoCal. So whether that's like starting in Mexico and then LA, we'll see. But don't hold me to it, guys, because we're always changing the plan. <laughs> well, talking about LA, today's episode, we actually recorded yes. when we were in LA and one of our really good nutrition friends, Hadith lives there. She moved from New York City. And so we had her come into the studio and answer a lot of your questions because you're always submitting questions. And um, she's just such a fun person to answer questions with. And yeah, what else, Jess? So we are going to do this Q&A again. We asked you guys to submit questions. Every time we ask, we always get so many that we couldn't get to every single one, but we tried our best to consolidate them and get to the ones that were asked the most frequently. And Hadith, like Wendy said, she's just the most fun person to do this with because she's just like super goofy and there's like a lot of bloopers in there. I think you guys will find funny. We talk about so many things. So a couple of highlights are how to get relief from PMS and menstrual cramps. I know that Wendy definitely you know, has experienced like very severe cramps and we've had episodes on that, but we kind of go over it again. 
and sound bites on this episode. We talk about acid reflux, which we know a lot of you guys are dealing with and you email us about, like what supplements and foods help. Again, you guys are always asking about these diets. So the anti-inflammatory diet, like what is our, what are our thoughts on that? We kind of get into it. Um, you guys asked us about meat, like are we anti-meat intake? We talk about that. And then one thing that's funny is we did an episode about gas and bloating. And it was actually, I was looking through last night, like what were our top episodes? This was one of our top episodes. So it's like a lot of y'all are experiencing this and it came up a lot within the questions too. So we really talk about which vegetables produce the most gas and kind of what to do if you're experiencing that plus a lot of other stuff. So I think this will be a real treat episode for you guys, especially, you know, as we kind of come into the end of the year and you know, want to end on like an exciting note with a fun guest. Let's just get to it. Want to take a second to talk about a tool that has literally saved us so much trouble, and that is Acuity Scheduling. Acuity is a scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar, and it takes so much work off your plate so that you can focus on other things that are going on with your business or side hustle. For those of y'all that have clients, that have people that need to book appointments with you, you know how much of a headache it can be to coordinate schedules, to make sure that it shows up on your personal calendar, to make sure that a reminder is sent to the person booking. I mean, it's so much work. And we were actually using Acuity before they reached out to us as a sponsor. We've been using the service for a little while now. And we were just so relieved when we found out that this service existed because we were spending so much time doing this stuff ourselves. Acuity is there to automatically send booking confirmations with your brand and messaging. They deliver text reminders. They let clients reschedule on their own. They process payments. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like literally life-saving. Your days run smoother and your business gets so much easier. All you got to do is show up at the right time. What I love is that clients can quickly view your real-time availability and they can book their own appointments. They can reschedule with just a click. If you accept payments, they can do that online. For us, we're always scheduling calls or we're scheduling appointments with podcast guests, and it just helps things run so much smoother for us. The really cool thing is that you can use Acuity to get appointments through social media. So if you have a Facebook business page or if you have Instagram, you can use their booking option so that your clients can schedule their appointments with just a click. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity scheduling absolutely free. You don't even have to put in a credit card and you can go to Acuity Schedule com forward slash food heaven. Acuity is spelled A-C-U-I-T-Y scheduling.com forward slash food heaven. All right. So let's get back to our episode. We're super excited to have Hadith on the podcast. She is actually in the studio today. She lives in LA, La La Land. Mm-hmm. And Hadith is one of our good friends. We used to work together back in the day at the New York City Department of Health doing cooking demos and nutrition workshops. I was late all the time, apparently. (laughs) So was I. They both were, and I was a supervisor, and it was very awkward. Um, But anyway, we're excited that she was, she's on time now. You're always early, girl. I know. You were on, you were early for this. because I was DJing at night. What do you mean? Oh, back in New York City. Oh, yeah. You were a party girl at that time in your life. Yeah. She grown now. I'm grown, Finally. (laughs) <laughs> she's she's all grown and she's here. She's a dietitian. She has a very unique focus in her work, which we're excited to talk more about. And 
Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Hadith. Thank you. I'm honored to be here finally. I know. We're so excited to have you. And we figured we'd bring you on to do our Q&A series. So our listeners are always submitting questions to us. And um, we did a Q&A series for our last season. Um, and we got a lot of good feedback. So we figured it would be good to incorporate this into every season. And you all submitted really great questions. But first, Hadith, tell us a little bit about how you got into nutrition. Okay. So Um, I used to work in the fashion industry, so um, this is a second career for me. I worked in fashion. It was fun, cool, got a lot of samples, free stuff. Fashion shows were great. Then I got kind of bored, and I was like, you know what? I feel like I have no purpose in my life right now. Um, I want to help people, and I also, like, love nutrition because I changed my whole my my life um, with nutrition and really believed in the power of nutrition. And I also have a— Bachelor of Science in Applied Behavior Analysis. So um, really interested in psychology and things like that. So I wanted to go back to school and um, started from there. It took like eight years to finish the program, as you guys know. And um, I'm still kind of figuring out where what like I want to specialize in. But I've recently got into eating disorders that I really and I really like it because it has the mental health aspect and the psychology side, which I really find fascinating. It's always changing cool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think it's always nice to hear about other people's journeys and backgrounds. And I think it's something like 50% of dietitians had a different career before, like we all had a different career before. And so we're always in, that was one of the questions from the last Q&A was, is it ever too late to be a dietitian? No, it's never too late. I had people in my program who were in their 60s who were killing it. So you can do a second career. Just know that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. (sighs) You never think it's going to end, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. How many years later? Yeah. Okay, so let's get through these questions, y'all. Um, the first question is, supplements and foods for PMS and menstrual cramps. So who wants to take this first question? I can start because um, I unfortunately suffer from some PMS. Um, so I've done a lot of like my own experimentation with this. Um, I do find that Certain things um, exasperate it and will make it worse. Um, So caffeine for sure, like a lot of caffeine um, and alcohol. If you have a hangover and you're PMSing, that's like a double whammy because you're super dehydrated. So you want to avoid drinking excessive amounts of alcohol around time of the month. Um, You want to have foods that are high in calcium and antioxidants. I always say eat the rainbow. And I'm not talking about Skittles, but Skittles are okay too. (laughs) So foods that are like an array of colors um, that are packed full of iron, B vitamins, which help us fight the fatigue. Um, Examples would be like beans, almonds, dark green leafy vegetables, blueberries, cherries, tomatoes, vegetables, um, such as squash and bell pepper. Um, I also don't forget to like incorporate the complex carbohydrates. They help stabilize our mood and keep our cravings under control. So... Um, you know, instead of like having like a crash and then like maybe binging on a bunch of sugary foods later, if you keep your blood sugar stabilized with, um, complex carbohydrates, it keeps everything in check. 
Yeah, and some example of complex carbohydrates would be things like sweet potatoes, squash, pumpkin, lentils, oats. I also want to mention um, for women that are at the peak of their cycle, like when they're PMSing or about to get their period, um, cramping is something that happens a lot. And so just being mindful of foods that produce a lot of gas because that can be very painful and uncomfortable. And so, I mean, it's just very individualized. Like for some women like myself during that time, I do do better with low fiber and more refined carbohydrates just because I am so gassy and like eating things like the beans and the lentils. It just makes me feel like very uncomfortable. So really just, you know, being in tune with your body and how you feel is going to be really, really important. And then I want to talk a little bit about supplements because a lot of you have asked us like, okay, well, what kind of supplements can I take to help relieve some of those symptoms? So uh, one is omega-3, which I know that you both take. Um, have any of you found it to be helpful? Yeah, I find it. Um, I, I'll pop a couple in the morning if I have if I know I haven't had enough like fish sources um, or you know from nuts, seeds, things like that. Yeah, cool. One I- tip for omega threes: if you store it in the fridge, it's supposed to eliminate that burpy fish odor. Because even mm. the ones that say that they're um, I, I forget, but they do something. I don't know if it's the distillation. To, I forget, but where they make it so it's not supposed to have that fishy taste, it, I still get it. But if I take it at night and I put it in the fridge, I don't get that. So, oh, cool. yeah, just a fun fact. Yeah, and there's actually some research behind omega-3 helping with PMS symptoms. So there was a double-blind study that found that taking a daily dose of omega-3 reduced both the physical and emotional symptoms of PMS, including anxiety, lack of concentration, headaches, you know, all of those great things that we feel during that time of the month. Um, so that's a supplement to consider. Um, calcium is another supplement. So we all know calcium is great for bone health, um, but it also has been found to reduce menstrual pain because it helps to maintain muscle tone. Um, the evidence isn't clear. So, I mean, I always recommend like trying things and seeing how you feel, seeing how it works for you. And if you're noticing like a positive difference, then go with it. And also looking at the daily value is going to be really important. Like, for example, one study found that college students who reported severe PMS symptoms who were given the 500 milligrams of calcium a day for two months compared to the placebo group who didn't take the calcium, they did see lower rates of anxiety, depression, fluid retention, moodiness. Um, Yeah, so just keeping that daily value in mind, um, is a good recommendation. Yeah. Also, vitamin D is really important. Anybody know why? Um, oh, it connects to calcium. Pop quiz. I mean, it's like related to every imaginable health condition. It creates condition. hormones. <laughs> helps create hormones. Yes, but it also helps with helps with calcium absorption. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, so having inadequate levels of vitamin D is really, really, really common. Among people who suffer from PMS and also among black and brown women as well, or people in general. So just keep that in mind. So there was one study that um, saw a connection with people who had higher intake of vitamin D and calcium had lower um, PMS symptoms. So that's another one. There's also vitamin E that may help to reduce menstrual pain. So in one study, they looked at about 100 women who took either 500 
IUs, which stands for International Units of Vitamin E, or a placebo, which means they gave them something, but it, it was, wasn't anything. It was just to see if there was a difference. And they did this for five days. And the people who took vitamin E reported less pain than the folks who took the placebo. So I think, you know, there's a couple different supplements. Also, magnesium is coming up. There's some preliminary studies that suggest magnesium may help to reduce menstrual pain. Um, but again, with magnesium, too much can lead to diarrhea. You guys have heard of milk of magnesium, right? Yep. Can Yeah. If you don't need it and you have too much of it. And it could be for an issue. the magnesium, though. Yeah, Me I too. take magnesium. I take it every day. Yeah. I mean, initially when I started taking it, I had just the worst stomach cramps. And like, yeah. I literally, it felt like someone was like just gutting my stomach. Yikes. It was horrible. Maybe that was too much. Um, <laughs> it wasn't actually. It was just like 50% daily value, but it's pretty harsh on the stomach. And it was just that first day. I mean, I took it the second day and it was completely fine. And um, I take it every day for bowel regular <laughs> to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, um, but it's supposed to help with sleep, too. I don't know that it's really I, I can fall asleep anywhere. So I don't know that that really applies to me, but it has helped with bowel movement. I will say that it also helps me um, around right before my period. I get a little like restless leg or like this mm. like anxiety at night. It's this new thing as I've gotten older. I'm not sure why, but um, I'll just take a little scoop of the magnesium and some warm mm. water and it's like gone. Oh, nice. that, so makes that makes sense. sense. Yeah. With the muscle contractions. Yep. And relaxation. Mm-hmm. Love it. What about some herbs? Do you all know of any herbs that can be helpful? I don't. I don't, I don't know of any herbs. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of like the red the red raspberry leaf tea being like really helpful with PMS symptoms, but that's not something that I've like thoroughly researched at all. I think it's just comforting to have warm things around yeah. that time. So just having like herbal teas, calming teas, I would assume would be helpful. Um yeah, so that's something that you can try out and see if it works for you. Yeah, make sure you're hydrated. Like I said, at least 64 ounces of water a day is a minimum. Um, and then try to like cut back on the sodium if you find that you get super bloated. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. So just to summarize, because I know we talked about a lot of things, basically, as per usual, it's just kind of common sense nutrition. Try to eat a balanced diet, include all of the different Food groups, making sure you're getting those complex carbohydrates, thinking about whole grains, potatoes, squash, pumpkin, lentils. And then with supplements, there's some evidence to suggest that omega-3 fatty acids might be helpful. Calcium citrate might be helpful, vitamin D, and also vitamin E and magnesium. But you want to make sure that you're not taking too much because, again, with anything too much is never a good thing. So try these things, see if they're helpful. And if so, send us a DM and let us know. Yeah. And avoid triggers like caffeine and alcohol and stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Want to take a short pause to talk about armpits. Yes, you heard me right. Armpits. I have tried a million deodorants and Native is the only one that works for me. It's formulated without aluminum, parabens and talc, and it's filled with ingredients found in nature like coconut oil, shea butter, which works great as a moisturizer, and tapioca starch, which helps to absorb wetness. They never test on animals and they have free shipping and returns. I've always been a bit hesitant when it comes to deodorants that have natural ingredients because... About an hour or two later, I'm over here smelling like a skunk. And so when Native reached out to us, 
to partner for the podcast. I was like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And I have to say that it works really, really well. And I've had friends who have listened to the podcast and I've heard us talk about Native. They've gotten the deodorant and they also rave about it. They come in really yummy scents for men and women. My personal favorite is the lavender rose, but they also have cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint. They have a really delicious coconut and vanilla scent. That is their most popular. And for the holidays, they're actually releasing a candy cane scent. How cute is that? Native creates safe, simple, and effective products that people use in the bathroom every single day. They create products with trusted ingredients and performance. And if you're not convinced, you should check out their 9,000 five-star reviews from customers. There's no risk to try if you're not satisfied. Like I mentioned, they offer free returns and exchanges in the United States. But I'm telling you, with all the deodorants that I've tried, this is by far are my favorite. Now, for those of you that want to give Native a try, you know we're going to hook y'all up. You can get 20% off of your first purchase. Just visit nativedeodorant.com. That's N-A-T-I-V-E deodorant.com. You can use our promo code FOODHEAVEN at checkout. Again, that's nativedeodorant.com. Promo code FOODHEAVEN for 20% off your first purchase. Hey y'all, so the holidays are just around the corner, which means that you're probably in the midst of your holiday shopping. One of the gifts that I am recommending that you guys consider giving to someone this holiday is the gift of blue light blocking glasses. So the company who I'm talking about who makes these glasses is Blue Blocks. They are a podcast partner this week and I have been obsessed with them ever since I learned about their glasses and got a couple of pairs of my own. I've been wearing them every night, especially when you're more exposed to, you know, that blue light that may not be as natural at nighttime. And I find that they just help to bring more calmness before bed and I have a deeper night's sleep. Now it's gotten to the point where if I don't have my blue light blocking glasses on at night, my blue blocks on at night, my husband's like, where's your glasses? (laughs) Because I've been wearing them like clockwork. The thing I love about Blue Blocks is that they were created because the founders were unhappy with the quality and lack of science behind the leading blue light blocking glasses brands on the market. And they found that these companies were kind of mass producing unevidence backed products with no real understanding about how light impacts health. The cool thing is their products are made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia and they're shipped all over the world for free. They also have prescription because, you know, a lot of us don't have 2020 out here. And the nice thing is they have a bunch of different styles that are actually trendy and hip because I've seen some of these glasses and let's just say I would never wear them like other companies, but Blue Blocks, it's like I'm getting compliments left and right when I wear them outside. So if you want to get the gift of Blue Blocks for a loved one, we have an amazing deal for y'all. You're going to get 15% off using our special code food heaven. All you got to do is go to blueblocks.com, use the code food heaven to get that 15% off for yourself and for your loved ones. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com using code food heaven. All right, back to the episode. All right. So the next question is how many carbs you should eat in a day? This is a great question that we get asked all the time. And there are some like formal recommendations that we can definitely provide. So the RDA for carbohydrates is a minimum of 130 grams 
per day. Um, and then the Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends that carbohydrates make up 45 to 65% of your total daily calories. And I know for those of you that are thinking, okay, well, what does that actually mean? I think the easiest way um, to incorporate that in a way that's practical is using my plate method, which we talk about all the time. And so with the my plate method, you would have half of your plate with your non-starchy vegetables, a fourth with non-starchy, um, a fourth with carbohydrates. So like your starches and your grains and all of those wonderful things. And then one fourth with protein. And so that way, when you're planning your meals, you automatically know, okay, one fourth of my plate is going to be carbohydrates. And I think that's just like a very easy, practical way to ensure that you're consuming enough carbohydrates and just making sure that you're eating those meals at least three times a day. Um, anything else? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just going to add... For those of you who are like, what about keto? How does that all fit in? Because I'm a numbers person and I, I like the visual picture of it all. So for 45 to 65% of your calories, let's just say that you're eating a 2000 calorie diet, right? And 45 to 65% should be carbs. Even for people with diabetes, like the recommendations are still pretty similar, right? It's not just like eliminate carbs. That on a 2000 calorie diet, that's between 900 and 1300 calories coming from carbohydrates which translates into 225 to 325 grams of carbohydrates per day. Remember, carbs are in so many different foods, not just cakes and cookies, but also like fruit and grains and things in milk. All of those foods have carbs. Now, comparing that to a keto diet, which recommends that you have 20 grams of carbs per day. I know a lot of you guys are like, well, maybe I'm not doing keto, but I'm on a low-carb diet. And usually low-carb diets are like 50 to 100 grams of carbs per day. And remember we said the minimum is 130, and the kind of average recommendation is for an average 2,000-calorie diet is 225 to 325. So what do you think of that, Hadis? Um, I just think that, you know, I can't imagine um, eating a super low-carb diet because I just – I have done a low-carb diet before, and I thought – um, my mom thought I was on drugs because I just looked sick. Oh, no. Um, but you're also like, what are some of the side effects, right? Yeah. Like you have like complete, you maybe are irritable, you're super fatigued. Um, you may not be using the restroom enough. Right. Wh- where are you like, where are you going to get your fiber from? You know, things like that. So when people ask me about like low carb diets, I kind of give them like a lot of the side effects and just, is it really worth it? Um, and also you're probably not going to, you know, it's going to be hard to go exercise because your muscles use glucose as the first source of energy. So, yeah. 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 I also think so many foods contain carbohydrates. And when people say low carb, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think they really realize that they're eliminating so right. many different foods. And also just keeping in mind, like, I don't know, I feel like when there's this whole conversation about carbohydrates, it's like, are you only eating carbohydrates? Like this should be within the context of like other foods. And so you shouldn't just be like getting your primary energy source from carbohydrates. It should be balanced with other foods. And when you do it that way, there shouldn't be an issue with carbohydrates. So just keeping that in mind too. Absolute. Okay, next question. Supplements and dietary changes for acid reflux. Anyone here had acid reflux before? Yeah. I have. All of us, (laughs) unfortunately. Usually happens when I drink a lot of coffee. Oh. Well, that would make sense because that's a trigger. Yeah. What does it feel like for you when you have it? 
It just feels like burning in my throat. And, like, mm. there's a constant little thing of, like, acidy stuff in my mouth a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You, like, taste it, like, it. Right. Like, kind of burns. Mm-hmm. What about so, for you? Yeah, I usually get reflux when I'm about to get my period or when I'm on my period. Um, just because my stomach is, like, so unstable. And literally, the food just comes up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. This tastes disgusting. Yeah. For me, it's like a burning in my heart kind of vibe where if you don't if you're not familiar with it I could see how it could feel like you're having a heart attack or something like that but it has a lot of different symptoms people experience it in different ways and it's good to kind of think about what foods are triggers for you so what's happening in acid reflux a couple different things but just looking at the anatomy of your gastrointestinal tract we have something called the lower esophageal sphincter that connects to our stomach. And in some people, that sphincter can be a little bit weakened. And when it's weakened, it kind of closes off the stomach. You know, it lets food go past, but then it closes it off. When it's weakened, the food can go back up. And so it can be weakened from a ton of different things. There's some foods that will reduce the lower esophageal sphincter. So we're going to talk about that. Sometimes if there's just too much food in your stomach, then that is going to put pressure on the sphincter as well. And so let's just talk about what are some of the triggering foods for folks. So traditionally, high fat foods, thinking of, you know, things that might be like deep fried or, you know, yeah, just like French fries, pizza, all of those things can be an issue for folks. Tomatoes, citrus fruits, chocolate, garlic, onion, huge triggers, spicy foods, Coffee, which Hadith mentioned, mint, that is interesting because what do we use mint for a lot of times digestion. after a meal? Exactly. Yeah. Which it can be helpful for digestion in ge- or like peppermint oil can be helpful for digestion. However, it also um, weakens the lower esophageal sphincter. So we have to just be careful for someone with reflux. It's not going to really help us that much. And then there's alcohol. So there's a, I just did a presentation on this at, um, at my job and I was looking at all the guidelines and some of them will say, you know, yes, these foods are foods we should try to limit and see if they bother us. But other guidelines say, yeah, maybe there's foods that are common, but like there's no point in making blatant recommendations because it's all individual. So don't just go and eliminate all these foods, you guys. Really test them out and see if they cause you problems because it could be different for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a huge uh, misconception about citrus foods where it's like because they taste very acidic, they're associated with reflux. And so people avoid them and they tend to not even have any issues with them. So it's all very individualized. Um, Yeah. So really keeping that in mind. Caffeine is huge. I mean, that definitely triggers my reflux. And I've seen that in a lot of patients that I've worked with. Um, And I think really that's why chocolate can trigger some of that reflux too, especially the dark chocolate because it's higher in caffeine. So tea is an option. Um, Tea is not as high in caffeine as coffee. So green tea, black tea tends to be a little higher in caffeine, but you can also do herbal teas that are just completely caffeine free um, if you want a warm beverage and see how that works for you. Um, Let's talk about some supplements that might be helpful for acid reflux. Yeah, so there are a few different ones. I have to be honest, though, a lot of these haven't been thoroughly studied and, you know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Like with digestive enzymes, for example, There's 
a lot of people who feel like they really work well for them. Um, but I, that's more like what we would call anecdotal evidence where it's like, it worked for me and my friend and my grandma, but like, there's not a lot of (laughs) bigger studies on them, but they're not going to be harmful. So I sometimes take digestive enzymes. If there's a meal where I'm like, oh, this might trigger me. And I think I find it somewhat helpful. Could be placebo. Again, it's not going to hurt. I know there's a, there's a more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the functional medicine people, which means kind of more like holistic folks, they believe that acid reflux is actually caused by not having enough acid in your stomach and which is different from like the more conventional approach. So you can kind of do research on both approaches and see like, you know, what you want to try. But some of those folks will recommend actually taking acid supplements um, and, you know, they find them helpful. So we can link, we can link in the show notes. Um, but like some of the different brands, I really like now they have a brand called Super Enzymes, which contains digestive enzymes and also a little bit of the acid that kind of will help break stuff down in your stomach. Um, you could also try magnesium. Again, <laughs> magnesium is used for so many different things. So being deficient in magnesium can cause improper um, improper sphincter functioning that can result in acid reflux symptoms. There's also a supplement called melatonin, which I'm sure we've all heard of for what? Sleep. You guys know it for sleep. Which, by the way, on our sleep podcast, we had Tiffany come on and she was saying how it's actually not very effective for sleep. So make sure you check that episode out. Yeah, check it out. But I have seen studies that show it's helpful, surprisingly, for acid reflux. And there, let's see, there was a study that showed about 50% of people that took melatonin for 12 weeks had their symptoms improve or go away. And I believe the study said it was better or equal to taking um, what we call like a PPI proton pump inhibitor. What are the brand names for PPIs? Like Prilosec. uh, Prilosec. Yeah. 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 And also with the medication, because that's something that is prescribed a lot when people have reflux. Um, I find it helpful to start with just identifying those trigger foods. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And also just being mindful of how much you're eating at each meal because um, for people that do have reflux, it might be helpful to do those smaller meals throughout the day versus like three larger meals. Um, And that might go a long way. You might not really need the medication. So just try that out first. And then if if you need the medication to help out with the reflux, I know sometimes it just gets so unbearable that it's like you're scared to eat because it's just so bad. Um, Yeah, but try these like lifestyle things out first. And then um, if the medication is helpful, then that works too. And I was going to say, um, with some of my patients with eating disorders, um, a lot of purging can lead to the reflux. Yes. I mean, that's like the number one thing I hear. Um, and I'm careful with like eliminating certain foods from their diet. So I usually will like just, you know, they'll take a Tums or two and it kind of goes away. But mm-hmm. but once the digestive tract is like waking up and like knows what it's doing again right. um, and processing food and breaking down food, it kind of balances itself out but it also takes time so that's a good point I tell them to be very patient yeah yeah to get things back on in sync yep okay so our next question is about meat intake is it good or bad and this is a really hot topic right now because we're in Los Angeles we've got a lot of vegans a lot of vegetarians you know um it's definitely a thing and it's a lot of conversation especially with um environmental issues etc in relation to, you know, is good is meat good or bad? I mean, it all depends again on your own personal like genetic like 
structure and like, does your body can, do you feel like you really need the meat? Do you, are you okay being vegetarian? How do you feel? Um, you know, just because maybe you made a claim that you're vegetarian, you don't have to stick with it forever. It's right. like, just <laughs> like you may crave like turkey one day. Like that's what happened to me. I was vegetarian for a, a few years. Um, and you know, I took the supplements, I ate correctly. I was studying nutrition. So I think I knew what I was doing. Um, but you know what? I just felt like a zombie. So I just started incorporating, I craved a turkey burger. I had one and <laughs> you know what? It was okay. <laughs> I was fine. And I woke up and felt ready to go and study and, you know, do my thing. Um, but again, it's it varies for everyone. So I think part of the reason, a large part of the reason why meat um, is presented in a problematic way, especially red meat, is because of its saturated fat, its cholesterol content. Um, but I think a lot of things just aren't taken into account. And this is usually the case with a lot of nutrition conversations where individual foods are isolated and kind of demonized, where it's like, don't eat this, eat that. And the whole picture is not really incorporated. And so I do think that incorporating red meat, incorporating any meat really is totally fine and you can do it in a balanced way. It does provide really great nutrients like iron, like protein, like B12. But it's really like, are you just eating meat? <laughs> we were just like, yeah. like kind of how we were talking with the carbohydrates, like, are you just eating carbohydrates? It's about the bigger picture. Like, what else are you eating with that meat? How often are you doing it? And I think that that's just very individualized. Like, it really just depends on your health status, on how you feel, on your digestion. Like, all these things are really important to know. And there isn't like a one size fits all. Like, you can live your best life eating red meat. Um, and, you know, the frequency and how that looks like for you can be completely different from, yeah, the person next to you. Can I just say something? I feel like 99% of nutrition science is just common sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's very simple, I mean, but I think everybody yeah, wants a big like complex to do right. about it. Or like it has to be this exact proportions. And it's really just... I mean, I mean, literally, common sense. So, like, take away all of everything you've heard that's, like, all the clutter and go back to the basics of, like, what makes me feel good? What is a balanced plate? Like, if you ate all rice, you know, or, like, the banana girl, like, all bananas for your diet, like, every meal, like, yeah, that's not balanced. But if you have some carbohydrates, some protein, some vegetables, some fat, that's painting a bigger picture and you're going to get the nutri the nutrients that you need. It's going to make it easier. But if you're just having, like, yeah, majority of your plate is just one thing, even if it's just vegetables, you're going to be missing out on a lot of nutrients. It's like going back to the intuitive eating principle again. Right. I mean, we live for intuitive eating. It's I may not eat red meat all the time, but if one day I, w I really, really want a steak and I have a strong tra craving for it, I mean, I'm going to go have it, you know. So you have to listen to your body and your your cues. Yeah. And also just all of the considerations, because I think if um, you have some cholesterol issues, like that's right. something to consider. Like, you know, these are all things that you can take into account. But we will never say like you can never have this. Like you'll never hear say that because for most people, that's just very unrealistic. Um, and it's just not a very healthy approach to food, this all or nothing, you know, and it's and I think back to what Jess was saying, it's like, 
I feel like we just always go back to those basic ideas where it's like, just eat more vegetables, guys. Eat plants, not too much, <laughs> mostly vegetables. Hello, Michael Pollan. Yeah. Yep. Which he has a book out called Mostly Plants. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, Can't wait to get a it. a new one? Yeah. Cool. We should have him on. I know. Wow. I <laughs> wish. That'd be oh a stretch. By the way, watch his um, Netflix show if you guys haven't. It's called Cooked, right? I believe. Yes. It's good. And it it's actually good. goes into like, you know, meat eating and Gluten. Um, yeah, all of those things, how these are things that people have been eating since the beginning of time and how really nowadays is that we're having all these like crazy conversations about, oh my God, is this good? Is this bad? And it's like, it was just so intuitive, um, you know, not that long ago, really. Can you talk about when you went to his talk and like someone asked the question, do you remember? The question about access? No, the question about um, somebody in the audience was like, so he did his presentation and then they were like, but wait, what, what do I eat? But wait, ah. And he was like, I just said, like, eat food, not to, oh. it's not that complicated. He's like, it's very basic. Like there's no like twist talk. or anything or like big I reveal. Like, yeah. I do like his approach. I think it's very simple, but I think he also, um, yeah, he brings up a lot of good points about just like the environmental impact of foods and trying to make ethical food choices. I mean, in a way, it can be elitist because it's like yeah. not everyone is there. Um, and that was what I thought you were referring to because during the talk, someone was saying like, okay, how do you, you make this information more accessible to folks? Um, but I do like how he just really simplifies it and food is presented in just like very approachable way in a way that it should be enjoyed and savored and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about gas. Yum. Love it. So somebody wants to know, what are the vegetables that produce more gas? Anybody want to take a stab at this one? Um, I would say some of the top offenders would be probably artichoke, asparagus, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, a lot of the cruciferous vegetables, um, cucumber for some people, green peppers. I hear that a lot, especially for older folks. Um, onions, radish, celery, and carrots. Yeah. And I mean, something that you can do to help because like, obviously we, we, we had, I think it was for one of our other Q and A's where someone's like, well, are raw vegetables better than cooked? And it's like, we all know how hard it is to digest raw broccoli. So those are things that intuitively, like you probably want to cook those uh, more fibrous vegetables just so it's easier on digestion. And it's like, I mean, I guess some people do enjoy eating like raw cauliflower and stuff. I personally don't. It's just like too heavy. on. It's too hard on the stomach. And if you're having like gas issues, that's probably not going to be a good bet for you. So consider cooking your vegetables, not overcooking them, but just cooking them so they're easier on the stomach. Um, steaming, baking, sauteing, that helps to break down the fiber so they're easier to digest. Also, if you're not used to eating lots of fiber, like if you're in the process of trying to incorporate more plant-based foods into your diet, do that slowly just so your stomach doesn't become overwhelmed and it's like a gas fest going on. Drink lots of water. There's also some enzymes, right, Jess? I think you like yeah, you take some of them. I do. So the reason why these foods produce gas is because they contain a type of carbohydrate called oligosaccharides and Two of the biggest culprits, I don't know if you mentioned Hadith. I know you said onions, but also garlic. So if you're someone who has onion, like I know myself, I have on, like half an onion and three cloves of garlic in every meal. 
try reducing that to see if it helps with like the gas and the bloating because that could be one thing. The other option is you can take an enzyme, it's called Beano, and what's happening is your body is not able to break down all of the fibers in the oligosaccharides, which isn't a bad thing. You know, it's good because it can help to strengthen the colon, but in the process of it kind of moving through your body, it's producing this like uncomfortable gas and bloating, which for some people, they're perceiving it like the way this the signal is going to their brain and the way that they're perceiving it is just much more intense and and un- uncomfortable. So you can also consider taking an enzyme. It's called Beano. That basically gives you the enzyme that helps to break down the fibers and the carbohydrates in some of those foods. So you would take it with the first bite of food. I've seen a couple studies that said it's been helpful. I use it all the time with my patients. You know, if they have an issue with like, like we said, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, ar- uh, garlic, onions, just any of these things, see if it's helpful. Also, with the two biggest culprits, like I said, well, that tend to be like what I see, the garlic and the onions. If you find that like when you have less garlic, it's really helpful and you don't have as much gas and bloating, but you still love garlic because who doesn't? You can do garlic oil so or garlic infused oil. Yeah, because it doesn't have the, it takes out the flavor, but it, it doesn't have the oligosaccharides in it. And then I was just reading the other day um, that you can also do um, pickled onions because mm. it's going to have a little bit, again, because they're fermented. Yeah, it's going to be less of those properties. So, because I know people are like, that's the first thing, like, especially if someone has IBS and they have a ton of gas and bloating. Um, those are big triggers. And then people are like, no, I love those foods. So those are ways you can try and see if it helps. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. So the next question. <laughs> I think this is our, yeah, our next and our last. Okay, cool. All right. So our next and our last question is following an anti-inflammatory diet good practice or is it restrictive? That is a really great question. I feel like right now there's a lot of buzz around anti-inflammatory diets. The first question I would ask is uh, like, what inflammation do you have? Because Mm. I think there's this perception that everyone's just inflamed. Um, And unless you have... (laughs) We're on uh, fire. I'm on fire. (laughs) Unless you have like an inflammatory (laughs) condition. (laughs) No, because we get this email like, I have inflammation. And we're just like, okay, wait, what is what? What's happening? Is is it your knees? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many different inflammatory conditions. So really like nailing that down and figuring out, okay, do you, do you actually have inflammation? Is it, you know, are you just going through a period right now where maybe you don't feel at your best and you're interpreting that as being inflamed? Is it Um, chronic or acute? Exactly. Can you explain the difference? Because people may not know. Sure. So in general, um, when our body is, um, there's a cut or maybe like I sprained my ankle or something like that. Our body's immediately, it's way of healing itself and protecting itself from um, invasion, infection, damage um, is by swelling up and bringing all the proteins that help heal. Um, it releases hormones that cause the blood vessels to expand around the area um, and helping your body repair itself. Um, and then chronic would be maybe more of like an illness um, such as like Alzheimer's disease or um, any like maybe some heart disease or some types of cancers would be more of a chronic illness Um, and chronic inflammation, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to put out the disclaimer that, okay, maybe you try a quote unquote like anti-inflammatory diet 
And well, one anti-inflammatory diet like pyramid that I like to use with people is Dr. Weil. Have you tried that one? Or not tried it, but like, have you used that with I your love patients? His website. Yeah, me it's too. Great. It's great because it's not like a diet. It's not saying you have to like eat this or not that. It's really just like different foods to add to your diet for more variety and like kind of the amounts. And I always tell people because I think it has like a really large number of vegetables. And I'm like, listen, if you can even get like two vegetables a day or three, that's great. Like you don't have to go to the number that they say. Like maybe you know for inflammation because they have all the vitamins, minerals, and phyto chemicals and nutrients, it might be more helpful, but you don't have to start there. Um, so you can, yeah, you can go to Dr. Wiles anti, like Google Dr. Wiles anti-inflammatory pyramid. That's W-E-I-L, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing, but don't like, you don't want to make it into a diet, right? Cause it's like, it's not a diet. Just add more foods in that are anti-inflammatory. Um, we can talk about a couple of the different foods that might be anti-inflammatory. So I can start with some. So you want to make sure, again, like we said, vegetables, fruits, because of the vitamins and minerals. They also have fiber in them, which can be really helpful. Whole grains as well have a lot of vitamins, minerals, fiber. What else? I mean, I think all, any plant-forward food, you can also take like supplements to help with inflammation. But again, it's like, I think with anti-inflammatory diets, it's usually presented like don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten. That's Mm. usually what I come across. And those foods shouldn't be inflammatory unless you have some kind of intolerance, sensitivity or allergy. So um, I think that's usually how it's presented. And so... Yeah, it, but it's it goes beyond that. Like if you're sensitive, allergic, intolerant of, I don't know, a plant-based food, it's going to create inflammation exactly. as well. So it goes both ways. Um, it's just like animal-based foods or those like more controversial foods controversial foods are usually the ones that are more demonized within the anti-inflammatory diet. So, I mean, to me, anti-inflammatory diet is really just like everything, everything. that we it's like the my always plan. talk Again. about. It's just eating plant-forward meals, yeah. incorporating protein, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's plant-based or animal-based. Um, and also inflammation is, it goes way beyond food. It's right. like, how are you feeling? Are you stressed Stress. out? Are you sleeping? You know, like all of those things um, have a huge impact on inflammation as well. Exactly. And I want to point out that the cool thing about Dr. Weil is he's not telling you to cut anything out yeah. at all. It's not, I mean, he has gluten in there. He has everything. Um, I was going to add though, and we already, we talked about this a little bit with the period, but um, thinking about omega-3s as well and those healthy fats, because a lot of people who are on these you know, not anti-inflammatory, but just diets in general, they're cutting a lot of things out like fats or they think fats aren't healthy. And we absolutely need fats, especially like avocado, olive oil, nuts, seeds, fish. So all the things. Yeah. And you might actually get inflammation by cutting all of these foods out because you might be undernourished. Exactly. And I also like how um, Dr. Viles, uh, his website talks about it's the anti-inflammatory diet is not per se like a diet diet that you should be following for weight loss purposes. Um, it may just happen naturally, but that's not the main focus. Um, and, you know, it's it's not even a short-term diet. It's really like, you know, I'm eating anti-inflammatory foods yeah. like from all day long. So um, just looking at it kind of like a way, a lifestyle and like the way you incorporate right. things. Yeah, or like an eating pattern, kind of like right. Mediterranean, which is like basically the same. Yeah. 
So that is our last question Yay! for the day. I love these Q and A's. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks so Hadith. much for having me. You this were was great. Super fun. You have to like do another guest appearance. I'd love to. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you well, can be our official like Q and A yes. person. Yes, your fill in. No, our Q and A. No. Oh, okay. You're Q and A. You're the Q and A guest. You're our Q and A person. All but right. you, if you want to, I mean, you can also call in. But it's funner if you're here I love in person. It. This is fun. Cool. It's my so, first podcast. Woo. Oh my god! So tell us where the people can find out more about your work, or if if they want to work with you, are you available? Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, I have a website, nutritionbyhadis.com. How do you spell it? N U T R I. I think your name. <laughs> Hadis. H A D I S. Um, I work in an outpatient center for eating disorders and also um, a hospital setting here in Los Angeles. And yeah, I see clients privately on usually on Fridays, but you know, I'm working, we can work with your schedule. <laughs> Give me a call. And uh, yeah, I love you, gals. Aww, so proud you of too. you. I saw you. Yeah. I've been here since the beginning. <laughs> she sure has. I remember when I was taking nutrition classes at my um, in my master's program, and Hadis was like sitting next to me. Is that how we met? Yeah. Well, no. The, um, the meal demo thing. I the farmer's, the farmer's market. <laughs> no, we, she, I, I met you there. Yeah, and we then met you guys separately. randomly met separately at No, Hunter. because I met you at the orientation, I remember. And you're like, peace. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh. But, but then we like, yeah, she used to like friendly. sit next yeah. to me in, in one of the classes that we were taking for nutrition. And, I think um, it was biochem. It was like one of those. I was just spaced out the whole time because it was so much. She would come in with like a bag of Trader Joe's like, <laughs> Like, so much food and so many <laughs> yummy snacks. And I was like, can I have some? <laughs> so we became friends over food. Yeah, and it's um, it's just been great ever since. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you leave us some stars and some thumbs up because that way this episode can get out to more people. Listen up to this listener review by Stacy Nell. I love Wendy and Jess and I recommend them to everyone. I appreciate how they have everyone from every background on their podcast. It's real and they make nutrition simple. I feel like I'm living well just by listening. Oh, thanks for that super sweet review. Make sure to connect with us also online. We are on Instagram. We're most active there. We are at Food Heaven. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We release our new episodes every Wednesday. And during each episode, we get to talk about how to make lifelong changes that help you live a healthier, more balanced life. We also interview leading experts in the fields of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how to cultivate a healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Yeah. <laughs>